Welcome to Life on the Illinois Prairie. Your host is Wendy Fleming Dexter, and after 30 years living in small town Illinois, she has stories to tell. Past cornfields and factories, into the heart of Amish country. There's more here than what meets the eye, far beyond what you think you know. So buckle up and stay tuned. This is Life on the Illinois Prairie. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Life on the Illinois Prairie. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Joining me today is a friend and a person who has extensive knowledge about a lot of things, but uh, what he's going to speak about today is about the subject of adoption. And welcome, Mick Notaboom. Well, thank you. And uh, Wendy, first of all, I have to tell you how proud I am of you for doing this because when you first told me you were going to start a podcast, I thought, boy, that's a really big undertaking. But then I found out that that's your middle name, big undertaking. So <laughs> I, I just am thrilled to be here. And it's a privilege to be able to talk about my kids with you. Well, thank you. But I live in Champaign, Illinois with my wife, Julie. We have four children, two boys, two girls. Both girls are married. And I am fortunate. I could never have picked out better men for my daughters. And as of December, we have one adorable granddaughter. But I'm an insurance and investment broker along with my wife, Julie. And again, thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Uh, That was not a subject that I had anticipated getting into on this podcast, but I think it's something that is really important for people to understand and know more about. I know I know next to nothing about the subject, and I think that that's something that uh, needs to be discussed for many different reasons. So just get right with it and tell everything you got. (laughs) All right. So we have four adoptions where the first one was our oldest daughter, Adriana, and that was a private adoption. I had gotten a phone call from a woman that I knew, and she said, I know you know a lot of people, and do you know of anybody that wants to adopt? And I said, yes, we do. And we had just submitted some initial paperwork to an agency to, you know, adopt. And then we found out about Adriana and then we went ahead and pursued that. And we brought her home um, when she was four days old. Mm -hmm. Isaac is Guatemalan and we adopted him through an agency out of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And it took from start to finish about six months Mm -hmm. when, when infants are born the birth mother has already decided, this is internationally, the birth mother has already decided to relinquish their child and, and, and put the child up for adoption. They don't get money for that, but they have to sign away their rights and then everything falls into place as far as the initial paperwork, birth certificates, everything else. And, and about six months later, we traveled to get him. During that process, we met our attorney Julio, who's still a good friend. He's, we, I call him my brother from another mother. <laughs> and Julio said, you know, if you want to adopt in the future, you don't need to go through an agency. You can just let me know. Hmm. And so then we found out about Josh. And he told us that Josh had been placed to go to a home in St. Louis. But then the father actually fell, broke his back, and they couldn't go through with it. Oh. And so he said, I have this little boy that's wounded and just needs lots of love. Mm -hmm. And so we said, sure. (laughs) 
Well, then Adriana says, every time I pray for a sister, I get a brother. <laughs> so we thought, well, we need to give this a try again. <laughs> so then um, Julio, while we were adopting Josh in that process, said, I have this little girl who's she's beautiful and she's super sweet. And she her her dad put her up for adoption. Her mother's been deceased. And um, so we said, okay, tell us more about her. And so we, Julie said, we need to know for sure this is supposed to be a, a girl for us. And so her history said that her name, it was, it was spelled like Thelma, but pronounced Thelma. Julie, one of her favorite aunts was her aunt Thelma. And then it also said that she likes playing with her brothers and playing with dolls. Oh. Perfect. That's all we need to know. So, and in Guatemala, they don't, you don't see a picture until after you have agreed to adopt them. Hmm. We have people that'll say, so do you, you just go through a catalog and pick out the kid you want? No, that does, it doesn't work that way. You hear about their story and their personality. And then when you make the decision, then they send you pictures. And the pictures that they sent of Telma, I thought, oh my goodness, she's adorable. We're going to have to have her eye fixed. Well, then there's nothing wrong with her eye. It was just the sunlight. <laughs> so the process was very different for each one. Hmm. So Now, in that time frame, which one took the longest of those adoptions? Oh, goodness, Telma. She took, hers took 22 months. Wow. So it must have been a kind of an emotional roller coaster, isn't it, when you're going through that? Just, oh my it was, and her story is the most dramatic. And, um, when we found out about her, we started the process immediately. And she had a birth certificate, but then all the paperwork that we had submitted, you know, of course, you have to go through a background check and a home study and all that stuff that you have to provide for the Guatemalan government. Mm -hmm. And so we got all that together, um, sent that off to Julio. And then when it got to the U.S. Embassy, the the consulate there, his name is Joseph, I'll never forget him, <laughs> but he was just sitting on everything. And then all of a sudden, he just denied it and said, she's not going to immigrate to the U.S. because she, her dad is living and she, her dad can continue to raise her. And then when he turned away and relinquished his rights, then he said, well, he, he, his wife is deceased, his first wife, but he was married again never got divorced so the stepmother can raise her. So Julio had to go to her village and, and Guatemala City is 3 million people. Mm. And Julio had to go to her village, find her and ask her. And she said, if you bring that girl to my home, I will kick her to the curb. So she very willingly relinquished all of her rights to be Thomas' mother. Mm. And so through that whole process and we spent most of the time, our paperwork in the U.S. Embassy. And then finally, Julio said, is there any way you can write to your congressman? So time, you know, they say timing is everything. So I wrote a letter to Tim Johnson. The next day, he left to go to Washington, D.C. President Bush, he handed the letter to President Bush that I wrote. The next day, President Bush went to Central America, read the letter on the plane, which just blows me away. <laughs> handed the letter to Joseph, the consulate in Guatemala City, 
and said, there is no reason why this little girl shouldn't come home and you need to get this fixed right away. Mm -hmm. And so after, gosh, that whole process, getting to that point was probably 19 months. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how long it just, it was just ridiculous. So three days later, after um, President Bush delivered that letter, we got a call from our attorney saying that it was approved and he went, picked up the paperwork. Then we had to go through the last court phase of Guatemala, which is called PGN. Hmm. And so we submit everything to them. They have to, the president have to, has to sign off on it. So, you know me, I'm bold. So I called PGN, spoke to a lovely young lady named Laura. We're still friends. And that's the beauty of Facebook. You can get on Facebook and I can check on them and see how they're doing. They watch my kids grow. And so, I, and she said, well, you know, Mick, she goes, I just answered the phone, but I'm going to connect you with a woman named Consuelo. She works directly for the president. So she connected me over to her. I'm starting to tell the story about Telma. And I started crying. And she said, oh, my goodness. And she goes, this is really, you're getting me choked up. And she knew about us adopting the boys and all that. So she said, call me back the next day. Call me back tomorrow. So we called her. I called her. And she said, our power is out in our building. Can you call me tomorrow? I said, sure. So I called her the next day. And she said, you can tell your attorney that we have everything approved and signed and he can pick up the paperwork. And that's normally a 45 day minimum process. And we got it done in about three. And shortly after he picked up that paperwork, they shut down adoptions in Guatemala and they're still closed as far as I know. Oh my gosh. And so then we thought, oh, we're free and clear. So we get home. We get on the plane, we're heading, heading to, and we were only in Guatemala for four days. Hmm. When you go to Guatemala to adopt, you're there four days and then you can come home with your child. So we're heading home. We get to Dallas and we're going through immigration and we, they give us this big packet of paperwork that's probably an inch and a half, two inches thick. And they say, if any of the corners of this envelope are tattered or look torn, it's null and void. You have to start over. Mm -hmm. So I always took a towel and duct tape and wrapped that puppy up so tight that, you know, nothing would get to it. And um, so I un unwrapped it and um, gave it to the guy at immigration in Dallas, which there were like 10 different windows. And I, we went to this one guy and what normally takes like 15 minutes, he came back in like a half hour, 40 minutes later. And he says, well, we have a little problem. Oh. And he said, the, the paperwork in the envelope is yours, but the file that it's in has someone else's name on it. Oh, no. And normally, we would have to send you back to Guatemala to get this fixed. But I grew up in Tuscola, Illinois. Oh. Oh my gosh. What are the odds? Like, what are the chances, you know? No kidding. And then he said to tell me, he said, Welcome to the United States, young lady. Oh. And so we're like, but of all those people, you know, I I I we went I went to the that guy 
And he grew up in Tuscola, Illinois. Talk about divine guidance. Just crazy. Divine guidance right there. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, how, yeah. how much does your, I know. your faith for, uh, keep you going through all of that? I know you're a man of faith. And so when you're going through all these processes, I mean, do you just trust that things like that are going to happen? Because those don't happen to everyone. No, you, it's just, it's incredible how, you know, our faith is is a huge part of it, mm -hmm. and it's the real. It was really the only thing that could sustain us, mm -hmm. because you know you're waiting for paperwork, and then you're waiting for an email and a phone call, and it's not happening. And then you're thinking, did I do this right? Did I do that right? Mm -hmm. And the process to get to that point is so intense mm -hmm. that one little mistake, and and you're starting all over again, sure. and Part of that process with international adoptions is we had to, every single document, which was enormous, you know, our marriage license, um, our birth certificates, everything had to have a state of Illinois secretary of state notary on it mm -hmm. that verified this was a, an actual real legal document. Mm -hmm. Then we pick all that up at the secretary of states. I sat for... I think with Josh, as I sat at the Secretary of State's office in Springfield for three hours waiting for them just to stamp off, you know, all of them. And then once we get that, we have to take everything to Chicago to the consulate, the Guatemalan consulate in Chicago to have them authenticate it. Mm. And so you sit again. And, it, and if there's one form, we fortunately never had any problems, but if there was one form that they didn't think was real, we had they they would kick it out the whole thing and we'd have to start all over again. Mm -hmm. But it was we, as Julie often said, we just have to pray our children home. Hmm. And you know, the minute we knew them and saw them, we we knew they were our kids. Hmm. When we went to Guatemala to bring Josh home, it was Julie and myself, and plus Adriana and Isaac. And while we were there getting Josh, we met Telma. And so we knew that, you know, that these were this, she was also our kid. Wow. So, and her mother passed away when she was 11 and Julie's mom passed away when she was 12. So they bonded instantly oh my over losing a mother. Uh -huh. And then Julie said, you know, I can't wait to be your mother. Hmm. So, so it was, um, when we finally got home, we just, we looked back at the whole thing and it's like, especially the guy that was born and raised in Tuscola, <laughs> it just was insane. Yeah, I'd say so, so. You know, we were talking about champagne and yeah. And he was, you know, we were talking about champagne and everything that's going on here. And he was just super friendly and very excited. Adriana was another case that stressed us out that we, Oh, goodness gracious. I was I talked to her the other day and I had to I had to talk with my kids and say, is it OK if I do this podcast? Sure. And they were all thrilled. Aww. Absolutely thrilled. But I, I was expecting Isaac and Telma to say, please don't tell any stories. <laughs> but they didn't. So I have free on what I want to talk about. Yeah. So but Adriana. She was born in central Illinois, and the day after she was born, and we had found out about her because of this woman calling, and, and then 
we got in touch with the attorney he she had chosen. And so we used the same attorney and we paid for the, her attorney fees and mm-hmm. we had everything going and he was in communication with her. Well, she called him. It was kind of fun because the night that Adriana was born, we got a phone call and Julie answers the phone and she says, it's a girl. <laughs> and so we were super excited, very emotional. And then um, the next day, our attorney calls and says, I have really bad news. The birth mother has changed her mind. And I were like devastated. Mm. And she said that her friend had told her that we don't care at all about her. We just want her baby. And I know people that want to adopt your baby and they will do it and take care of, you know, her and love her. And so I, I just, I hung up the phone and once again, I'm bold. Mm. So I called, I called the hospital she was in. And I talked to her and and I said, can you tell me what's going on? And once again, timing is everything. So while we're on the phone, she just said, well, my friend says that you don't care about my baby. You just, you don't care about me. You just want my baby. I said, oh, that's not true. You know? So while we're on the phone, she said, there was a knock at the door and she says, can you hold on a minute? And I said, sure. Well, Julie had sent her two dozen red roses with baby's breath and a card said, from one mother to another. Mm-hmm. And so she's reading this card and I could hear her crying. <laughs> and then she gets back on the phone and she said, Mick, this baby's yours. I'm going to go and sign off tomorrow. Oh God. And so then the process was, you know, and, and both the birth mother and the birth father have to relinquish their rights and sign everything away. Mm-hmm. So, and our attorney told us if you, if that doesn't happen, I'm not going to let you adopt her. Because I don't want anybody coming back two years from now and saying, I want my kid back. Mm-hmm. So he, he, we went to the, um, his lawyer, the lawyer's office. We were in the building after hours. The only the custodian was in there. And so he said, I'll, I will come to my, back to my office after court. Mm-hmm. So, and he says, I'll either have the baby or I won't. And so... I'm doing really good because I usually get choked up when I talk about this one. <laughs> but so he, we hear the back door, we hear one set of footsteps. And so he comes into his office empty handed and he says, I don't know what to tell you, Mick and Julie, but would you like to meet your daughter? Oh. <laughs> so here comes his assistant holding her, holding Adriana. Uh-huh. And uh, she goes, gotcha. And so <laughs> she came over and handed us oh, our baby. And gosh. And we sat there, talked for a little bit, and he said the process went smoothly. And and you know, and her, and then, and we, and we've told Adriana, I, I have, I was in charge of the midnight feeding. <laughs> so when she's four days old, getting up at midnight to feed her, and and we told her from day one that she was adopted, even though she may not have understood, <laughs> but we told her from day one, and so. She grew up with the desire to adopt herself. Mm. And uh, so it's just, you know, those two, oh my goodness, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And our church, our church prayed for us and friends prayed for us and our families. And, but yeah, our, our, all four of our kids are miracles. Mm. Well, I'm sure that they, do they, do they have, do you have any contact do they have any contact with siblings or anybody back in there and the, not for Adriana, but for, well, for any of them in their families? 
that they were relinquished from, or is that uh, well, totally forbidden? That no, it, in fact, that's a that's even a really cool story, because at when we went to Guatemala to pick up Telma and bring her home, because we had been there before, and Julie met Telma and touched her. <laughs> if they would have just seen each other in a store, it wouldn't work. But because she touched her and hugged her. <laughs> Julie didn't have to go with us to bring her home. She could sign everything. I've already seen her. I've already met her, you know. Mm. So when we went to get her, we we went to the embassy the, the next day after we got landed in Guatemala. And she's sitting there waving at this other girl. And I said to our attorney, I said, who's that? She goes, well, that's her sister. Oh. And her sister's name is Dulce. So we spent the, the time in Guatemala with Susan and David and Dulce, getting to know them. And we promised the girls that we would keep them in touch. I don't think Telma remembers this, but she was like, whatever, you're not going to do that. <laughs> and Telma and Dulce was like, awesome, you know. So, and Telma was just, it was just a very sad thing for them to to leave each other. Oh, I can imagine. But then I think it was in like a week after we got home that we had Telma called Dulce and they talked on the phone. <sighs> A year ago, Dulce moved to Champaign, <gasps> and so she we see her all the time. Oh. She we call her our fifth kid. Yeah. So those two, you know, biological siblings are now together in Champaign. Oh, so it's wonderful. What a blessing! Oh my goodness, I would who would have ever thought? You know, that's if that's not a more more divine guidance. Oh, I know. I know. It's just more divine guidance. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, and, and what's funny is because Dulce Isaac is just there that he's just funny. And <laughs> so he'll pick on Dulce like a little brother would with a bigger sister. And she takes, you know, for about it so long and then she pulverizes him. So it's a typical like a brother sister relationship. <laughs> and it's good for her because she her family she didn't have any other siblings in her new family, so she has all of ours. But yeah, she's a good kid. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So, would you care to relate? If maybe you don't want to share the information, but um, kind of a ballpark figure of what it costs for an adoption. I know they would vary vastly from one to another, and then I know the if they take so much longer than others. But is there anything you would share about that, or anybody? Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, with Adriana, we just pays, basically paid the legal fees, mm -hmm. you know, for the lawyer. And um, then we, of course, then we took over right away and put her on our health insurance and started paying all the immunizations and all that. Mm -hmm. With Isaac, we paid the agency about $27,000, mm -hmm. Children's Hope International. Mm -hmm. And then they took care of everything with Julio because he was providing for the foster mother, paying the the all the fees for filings, and of course his fee for transportation and all that stuff. So those Telma and Josh were both around thirty two thousand apiece. Mm. So yeah, that's a sizable amount of money. Huh? I was going to say, how much did you give President Bush? What did you give President Bush for his <laughs> for his role? <laughs> 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 send him a dozen cookies but um but actually he sent a welcome letter to telma when 
afterwards. Oh, so wow. that was kind of exciting. You got a lot of friends in high places. Well, I didn't know he was going to be there, but it was, it just worked <laughs> out beautifully. But, yeah. you know, we, Adrian and Andy just went through the adoption process and they adopted a 13 year old girl from Columbia. And that process from start to finish took about, I think it was about 12, 14 months, somewhere in there. But then mm. when they went to get her, they were in, they were supposed to be in Columbia for five weeks, but they ended up being there for two months. Oh. Fortunately, my daughter is fluent in Spanish. I always tell people I have four kids. The oldest one's white and she's the only one that speaks Spanish. It's just <laughs> crazy. I tell the others, your sister is running circles around you. You need to step up your game. But, so, but you know, you talk about divine guidance when, uh, when we got more information on our granddaughter, um, my daughter, Adriana, she called us and told us that, and this is the name that Luz was born with, but her middle name is Adriana. And she has the same birthday as Andy, mm. her, her new dad. So it was like, okay, yeah, this is meant to be. <laughs> and she's just, we met her over New Year's and she's just the sweetest little thing. Very funny. Wow. So, yeah, but, but there's... Theirs was a lot more expensive because they had to live in Columbia for two months, mm. plus all the the fees, uh, which was to the probably around forty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. But they did um, fundraiser pancake breakfasts mm. and applied for grants, and so that helped a lot. But well, thanks for sharing that because I think a lot of people don't realize if you don't have the funds for yourself that there you do have multiple ways that you can, like you said, raise money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and some people, some families will send out a, a support letter so oh, okay. for people to donate money for their adoption. Wow. And they, they got a lot of help that way. Well, But it was a big expense for themselves. Well, I can't imagine, really. But, you know, when you want a child that badly and you're willing to go through all, jump through all those hoops that you your family has done, but the reward has to be so tremendous. I mean, you have such a beautiful family. Well, thank you. And, you know, and somebody asked me one time, well, why is it so expensive? Well, it kind of weeds out those who aren't serious. Mm-hmm. And if you're serious about adopting, you're going to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I had a phone call a couple of years ago and they this woman said, um, would you be a reference? It was a family member, actually. Would you be a reference for us? Because we want to adopt an older child here. And I said, why, why are you wanting to adopt? And she said, well, we figured that he would be a big help for our other kids. I said, no, I'm not going to be a reference for you. Mm-hmm. I said, that's not why you adopt. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't adopt gardeners. We adopted children so that we could give them an education. You know, Adriana has, she's been to college. Thomas has been to college and, is a, and has a real estate license. Isaac is a junior at U of I, majoring in mathematics. And so I said, you, we don't, you don't adopt to help with other kids. You adopt to give them a future and a life. Mm-hmm. Now, do you, do, you have, do you have a lot of people that do reach out to you that, uh, besides that person because of your experience with adoptions? I mean, have you been a resource for a lot of people? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And when, when we were going through the process with Telma, 
Mike and Julie Gherkin and Mattoon were adopting their two kids from Guatemala. Mm. And they were running into some snags. So I introduced Mike Gherkin to Consuelo. And um, and she was able to move that along for them. Wow. So that was that was kind of an extra blessing, you know. Sure. And uh, but we we have several people that ask us questions, you know. Sometimes the questions are stupid, but you know, you just kind of learn. Would you care to share any of those questions? The, the ones that are that are a little stupid? I would love to. <laughs> people just are so unaware of how ridiculous they sound. Mm. They just have no clue. When when Isaac was an infant, he was six months old. I took him to Gold's Gym. This is the most fun one. <laughs> but I took him to Gold's Gym because a couple of my friends wanted to see him. So I'm holding him like a baby. He's tiny. <laughs> and several of my friends saw him. Then this U of I professor saw me and he came up and he says, Oh, is this your baby? And I said, yes, we just got home from Guatemala with him. And he said, oh, does he speak Spanish? <laughs> Wendy, honest to goodness, I just, I thought, I can't let this go by. So I said, only when he's mad and then it's just the swear words. And he says, oh, that's very interesting. So I get home and I'm telling Julie about this, laughing. And she says, do you have to be a smart aleck? Can you just answer the question? So if any of your listeners had a professor tell them that they met a baby that swears in Spanish, I apologize. So, oh, my gosh. That's and then some people, you know, I was in, in Prairie Gardens mm -hmm. and I had Telma, Josh and Isaac with me. And this woman that I've known for a long time, she came up to me and she says, are these your children? I said, yes. And she says, do you have any of your own? <laughs> I said, well, these three plus their sister at home. So there's four. <laughs> but I mean, do you have any of your kids? And I said, I know what you're getting at. Mm. But these are my kids, mm -hmm. you know. And so people just don't. Re or um, where do you buy your kids from? <gasps> Is another question oh that I got. That one just lights me oh. up when people. Oh, that's insane! I said, you know, I said, you don't buy children. It's you know they're not puppies or shoes or anything, mm. and so, but it's just things like that, mm. and um, or you know, do you um, who's the real mother? Oh, things like that. So. <sighs> Yeah, I had somebody when the, at the start of the process, I had a couple of people say, well, Guatemala, well, now I'm going to look like you. <laughs> oh, you're kidding, you know? <laughs> really? <laughs> so, well, I, and, I, and people will say, how many of your kids are adopted? And I'll say, oh, boy, I can't remember. It's been so long. They all look like me. I, I don't know. I really, I, could, I couldn't tell you at this point. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Adriana and I were talking the other day and I said, I said, Adriana, do you, um, I said, is there, do you, do you realize there's one thing I never did with you or your siblings? And she was thinking and, and, and she goes, dad, what's that? And I said, I never introduced you to anybody as my adopted daughter. Right. You were my daughter and that's it. Right. It doesn't matter. You know, so I will never introduce any of you kids as our adopted mm -hmm. 
child or whatever. Right. So. Yeah, there are a lot of things that transcend blood. And um, I think that that family love is one of them. And, and the family, the love that you have for your kids and the love that they've given you back. I mean, it's just. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and we, we do have one child with special needs. Our son, Josh, has special needs. And we found that out after we got him home. He just, he has um, the impulsivity part of his brain doesn't function properly. So he will always, we finally sent him to enough doctors and counselors and had enough testing done that she said, when, if your son is by himself, if somebody walked up to him and said, here, snort this white powder, he'd go, okay. And he would do it. Mm. We had um, one kid at at school had told him that it's fun to walk into, to break into people's houses. So he was out walking one day by himself. He was like nine years old and he saw one of the neighbors had their storm door open and it was just their, their, so he just walked right in Mm. and the mother met him at the stairs with a gun and he ran out the door. And so we just, yeah, we just, and he, that, that's long gone, mm-hmm. that part of him, mm-hmm. but just to protect himself from others, from somebody wanting to offer him drugs, whatever, we just don't let him go anywhere by himself. He'll always live at home mm-hmm. or with one of his siblings, you know, down the road, but, but yeah, but he's, you know, it's, he was our wild child. <laughs> he was, he was a street kid in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. He, he walked in that day we got home. And he said in Spanish, I'm the ruler of this place. <gasps> and Adriana told me what he said. I walked over and I said, no. He goes, see. <gasps> and I said, no. And he said, see. So, you know, after we had a little come to Jesus conversation, <laughs> you know, we, he realized that he wasn't going to be the ruler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he is hilarious. He, he was terrified. He was in a, he was on the streets. His birth mother would tie him to a tree for 24 hours at a time so she could go out and party. Then she'd come back and get him. Mm. And she, she, um, they lived with friends. And one day she got mad at him and put his right wrist on a hot stove. So he has scars. Oh dear. And, but he was terrified, terrified to take a bath or a shower. Mm. He would scream and so we asked our sister-in-law and brother-in-law, who were missionaries in, in Honduras and Guatemala, and they said, oh, in Guatemala, they, they, the man of the house will typically try to wire up a shower so there's hot water. They wrap this hot coil around a pipe. And so when they turn the water on, it electrocutes them and they die. That's why they, they call them widow makers, you know, showers or widow makers in Guatemala. Oh. And... Um, so our sister-in-law, Tony, was here, just happened to be here. And that morning she was laying in bed, just reading a little bit. And so we're, she heard Josh screaming. So we're, she's trying to talk to him about taking a shower and, you know, it's, it's safe. You're going to be okay. You're not going to get hurt. Your dad's not going to get hurt. But showers are fun. They're warm and you'll get nice and toasty warm and you'll get nice and clean and you'll smell real good. And he goes, she, he goes showers are great. And so he said to her, and she started in Spanish, and we started, she started, she was dying laughing when she told us that he said, well, if showers are so much fun, you go take a shower with my dad. <laughs> and so, 
it was that's always been kind of a standing joke but but he you know i people say oh so you're never going to be empty nesters and we say no thank goodness mm -hmm. because he is a blast to have around you know he i think i've told you stories before he's the biggest help he's a big fan of old tv shows and old movies and he every time he sees one he can see it a thousand times and every time is like the first time mm -hmm. But I will have to admit, Wendy, to you that I, I sandbag your podcasts until I have to travel on business to Iowa. <laughs> and then I listen to them either all the way, all the way back. That's so and so the last couple of times, Josh, turn off what he's doing and he'll listen with me. <sighs> so we've, we've both learned a lot and he'll ask a lot of questions about the things that you talk about. So Well, that's so interesting. It's so cool, Mac. Mac. <laughs> Mac. <laughs> Mick. <laughs> I mean, called work. So. <laughs> oh, oh, me too. Especially now after doing that. But no, that's uh, uh, the fact that, you know, you went through all that upheaval with him and that you, that you toughed it out. And there, I'm sure there are people that would say, you know what? I'm not up to this. Let's just, let's just throw this one back. And uh, I can't imagine in the world that you would do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. And, you know, and we've kept, you know, the, their Guatemalan heritage in our home. We have different things, little ceramic chica buses, you know, that that we've accumulated over the, you know, on, on our trips and clothing and things like that, that um, handmade things, a lot of um, table runners that were that were made by Guatemalan women mm -hmm. in villages and they come in and sit in front of the hotel, sell them to tourists. So we have a lot of those things in our home. So yeah, we don't hide it. I admire that you keep in touch with their heritage and so that they will always be in touch with that part of, of themselves and what part of what the biggest part of what makes them who they are until they met you and Julie and the rest of your family. Yeah. Adriana and Telma actually went back to Guatemala um, about six, seven years ago and, um, and spent few, a few weeks there in a village, you know, doing mission work with our sister-in-law and brother-in-law. Mm. Isaac may go this summer. I, if he doesn't, he'll probably go next summer, mm. but it's, it's, it's been good for, you know, it's been a lot of fun and keeping them in touch with that. And we love Guatemala. It's an absolute beautiful country. Mm. Well, travel like that broadens your horizons no matter what, you know, to see what life is like outside of our little life on the prairie here, seeing how people live in other cultures, right? and then bringing that home and for them to be able to share part of who they are with, with and expanding the horizons of other people too by those experiences is important. Well, and it, when we went to get Isaac, it was a huge culture shock for us. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, here we are, Central Illinois, and we're now in this huge city where we don't speak the language. Mm -hmm. And we, we stayed at the Marriott in Guatemala City. And it was a beautiful, beautiful hotel. And there was a McDonald's next door. So one day I went after we got the after we had received Isaac from the foster mother and and uh, we were just we were hungry because that's we spent like three hours with her just asking questions. She had a hard time saying goodbye to Isaac. Oh. And so, um, so we, we, when I went over to McDonald's and I walked through the parking lot and there's a guy standing there with a machine gun. 
And I said, hola. And he goes, hello. And so when I realized he could speak, I said, what, why are you here? And he said, I protect from robbers and thieves. Mm. And I said, what happens if someone tries to rob me or break into a car? He said, I give them one warning. And I said, and then what? He goes, I shoot to kill. And I'm like, okay, you know? Wow. And I thought how different that is from how we treat robbers and thieves, right. you know? Mm -hmm. And, but when I walked into McDonald's, I heard some guys going, grande Americano, grande Americano. So I went back to the hotel and our attorney was there. And I said, did they call me fat? I'm pretty <laughs> sure I heard them call me fat. He said, no, they just mean that you're tall and big in stature. And, <laughs> and, uh, but so we were in the lobby of the hotel and there's all kinds of men standing around with suits. And I said, so Julio, why are these guys here? And so he said something to them and they would pull their jacket away to, to show that they're all armed. They were just guarding the patrons of the hotel. Hmm. So when, when we did Josh's Helmas, he said, well, we're not going to send you to the Marriott. That's a really bad part of town. So we were downtown and the hotel we stayed at was absolutely gorgeous. Hmm. It was just amazing. Wow. Well, you know, you could, you could do a, a, a guidebook or some kind of a book about, or, or I don't know if a book or <laughs> YouTubes or something to give people insight, if you had the time, insight into this adoption questions that so many people don't have. Not like you have a lot of spare time in your day. I know you're so busy. Well, you know, we, we've often thought about that, but Adriana is such a gifted writer. She would be the one to do something like that because she, you know, she just went through the experience and that, and that's what helped her mm -hmm. was because she had been through it with us. And she, I think she told Luz one time that, you know, your aunt and two uncles have tried everything. So don't think you're going to get away with anything, <laughs> you know, because, you know, we, and we've always told our kids, you know, you're, you're, you're not a, a poor Guatemalan immigrant, mm -hmm. you know, the, a big mistake that I've seen parents do that adopt children is they feel so bad that they were orphans that they don't, they're not strict. They let them get away with anything mm -hmm. and they give them everything and it doesn't do the kid any good. Mm -mm. You know, you're, you're, you're an American, you're a Guatemalan American, be proud of your heritage, but never use the fact that you're Hispanic to try to get anything, you know, for free mm -hmm. because it doesn't work that way. Mm -hmm to live by the laws that are set forth here. Right. You know, and it was, and Josh being a street kid, his biggest problem was he was worried about food. So I had to take him one day to Walmart and I'm pushing him. And again, timing is everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm setting him in a stroller or in a, a cart, a shopping cart. And I'm leaning on the shopping cart, going up and down the food aisles at Walmart. And I said, he could understand English. He just couldn't sit, you know, speak English. Mm. They'd say all this food, every time we come here, every time mommy brings you here, all this food is going to be here. You're never going to be hungry because he would at meals, he would just eat everything in sight, you yeah. know? And so I said, you'll never be hungry. We're never going to let you be hungry. We're always going to have this and that. Well, he starts crying and he said something. And then I heard this woman behind me start crying. And I, and she was Hispanic and she said, I'm sorry, I couldn't help but listen. She goes, do you know what he said to you? And I said, no. And he goes, he said, thank you very much, my precious father. Oh. 
So here, this strange lady and I are hugging and bawling our eyes out in Walmart, you know. But he realized then he never had to worry about being hungry again. Wow. So the stories with my kids are endless. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So. Well, you know, you've told me many of these stories, um, and I'm so glad to have you here to share these stories. You have more friends than any one person I think I've ever known. And uh, I think each you make each one of your friends feel like they're the most special ones in the in the room. You just have that ability. But um, you. well, I, I'm I'm a lot like my dad in that way. My dad was the same way, and I I somebody said, "What do you like to do?" And I said, "I like to collect friends." Mm -hmm. And um, and so you know, and having you as a friend is a blessing. And uh, so, and I, again, I'm so proud of you. And I really, truly appreciate this opportunity. So. Well, um, you have Stacy to thank for it. When Stacy told me, you know, suggested doing this, I told him he was crazy or nuts or possibly both. But, you know, we're a match that way. <laughs> and you married him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so do you have any uh, resources or any information you'd like to share for anybody that if there, anybody is interested in in learning more about adoption or would you like for them to be able to reach out to you or? Yeah, I really, I don't have, um, I used to a long time ago, I would, you know, have like a, but there's the best thing I can tell someone that's interested in adopting is to just speak with people who have adopted. Mm -hmm. um, the agency we use for Isaac is Children's Hope International. They're out of St. Louis. They have a wonderful website and they have a lot of resources there that can help people determine if adoption is right for them because there are a number of people that will start the process, mm -hmm. but they, they never finish it. And so it's just kind of, it's kind of sad, but, um, but it's, it's, it's good that they're figuring it out now. Right. And then um, Adrian and Andy used a, an agency called a love beyond borders mm. and they have different groups. They're part of the Colombian group. And so that's the that's about the best thing that and and a lot of times a minister of a minister of a church will know a local agency that can help out mm -hmm. you know we used to have one in um saint joe and we had uh, this wonderful woman named connie dunn that did our our home studies for the three guatemalan adoptions and um she's still a dear friend and my nickname for her is precious you know <laughs> and uh but she you know again, beauty of Facebook. She gets to watch my kids grow up. And, yeah. But um, but that's about the best thing to do is just contact an agency, a reputable one. I know there's a couple of different Catholic agencies, hmm. but you know, Children's Hope International and A Love Beyond Borders would be two I would recommend. That's wonderful. That makes me wonder, you talked about Adriana possibly, you know, being the one that would have the writing skills and the um, wherewithal to write a write a book and you know she's probably a very busy person too but i wonder if there would be i'm sure there'd be an audience for a podcast of somebody that would share that kind of information too um you know somebody that would could update potential families or you know some people would have have, have podcasts where people can call in and share their stories and all that so but um really it's just yeah. been so rewarding having you here mick i appreciate it 
Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, mean, I love talking about my kids. Well, and and rightfully so. You know, you've created such a beautiful family and made things happen that for those people change changed their lives forever. And I know they've changed you and Julie's lives forever, and the rest of your friends and family. So certainly good to have you here today, Mick. Thank you so much. And thank you so much. And maybe you'll come back on someday down the line. We'll we'll do something else. You got so many topics of conversation, sure. and, you know, or we can talk about this one more. You can tell more stories. Oh my, raise yourself. <laughs> yeah. well, well, I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thank you. So I think that'll bring this episode of Life on the Illinois Prairie to a close. And I'd like to thank you for listening today. And please like my Life on the Illinois Prairie Facebook page. And thanks for joining. And please be kind. Thanks again, Mick. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life on the Illinois Prairie, the undercurrents of our American life. If you haven't yet, go ahead and subscribe to Life on the Illinois Prairie wherever you get your podcast. Stay tuned for more stories, interviews, and updates. I'm your host, Wendy Fleming Dexter. Until next time. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.